When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Knife Talk is sponsored by Even Heat, the manufacturer of the finest knife heat treat ovens available. Find your next heat treat oven at evenheat-kiln.com. So welcome to another episode of Knife Talk. Now today I'll be speaking with Dimitri from DP Custom Knives from right across the other side of the world in Australia. So welcome to the show, Dimitri. Hey, Greg. Thanks for having me, man. No, it's really good to be speaking with you. Really good. So I'm, I just want to try and set the scene a little. So what time of day is it over there? And are you at home? Or are you in your shop? Uh, yeah, um, it's seven o'clock uh, on a Saturday evening. Um, just done with the workshop of the day and uh, speaking with from my study. Nice, nice. It, it's always so strange to be speaking to somebody on a completely different time zone. So it's, well, it's, it's 11 o'clock in the morning here on Saturday morning. So you've already had yeah, your right. you've already had your Saturday. You can sit back with a beer now. You're you're fine. Yeah, it's good. That's that's exactly what I'm doing right now. I'm just having a glass of Mornington Lager, my favorite Australian beer. So um, yeah, man, willing to have this conversation with you. Very nice, very nice. So so I've I've been drooling over your work for a while now, and you're making some really awesome sort of Japanese style kitchen knives. But you also make camp and hunting knives. So do, do you have a preference of a style of knife that you like to make? Uh, yeah, thanks, man. Um, well, I've actually started with uh, EDC slash utility type blades, and mm. only in the last two years I have transitioned pretty much primarily into Japanese chef knives mm. with an occasional um, Japanese uh, quoking or a tento thrown in there. So I pretty much lost all the interest in utility uh, side of things. Yes, yeah, yeah. And, and why Japanese-style kitchen knives? Does, is it maybe an Australian culture thing where they lend themselves more to Japanese-style cookery than Western styles? Is is any reason for that? Well, um, I've always been drawn to Japanese aesthetics, Japanese culture, Japanese uh, sense of uh, picking up a particular object or subject or anything really and perfecting it. Mm. And uh, when you look at the Japanese world of uh, cutlery it's it's unlike anything else really it is so rich in history and uh and culture it's just uh it's impossible to to go past without being interested in it um so you know if comparing a japanese chef knife to a western chef knife i mean they're both uh great cooking cutting utility machines but uh Japanese aesthetic really appeals to me a lot more than a Western aesthetic. And um, there are just so many variations of Japanese chef knives that um, you could not really 
master it in in a single lifetime and that that really appeals to me yes yeah so if you completely ditch the idea now of um hunting knives utility knives that kind of thing pretty much i've um, look i have a quite a long order book with um with people who have ordered from from me when i was still making utility blades and uh i i have been in touch with most of the people in my order book to basically let them know that it's probably not going to happen. So uh, they're, they're, they are, um, if they're interested in a kitchen knife, they, they order transfers into a kitchen knife order. And if they're no longer interested in, 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 a, in a kitchen knife, well, sorry, if they're not interested in a kitchen knife, I basically have to let them go, which is a shame, um, but it is what it is. My heart is not really in the utility world anymore. Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, I've never really put any time into anything other than a kitchen knife, really, it's, Basically, because I love their lines, you know, and I find hunting knives that kind of thing sometimes a bit ugly. Um, but I'm in the middle yeah. of a I'm in the middle of a small friction folder build at the moment. But it, I'm just finding that requires a completely different set of skills, you know. Yeah, I've I've, I've met a, a couple of folders, and um, it is certainly a, a whole different animal. It's uh, it requires, uh, as you said, different set of skills, different set of setup, hmm. um, quite a lot of tooling. Um, I was. I've made a couple of frame locks, and um, you know, you, you you take the knife apart a hundred times during the build. There's there's a completely different set of skills and, and mindset that goes in making a folder than making a kitchen knife. Yes, yeah, really. I'm really finding that, but um, I'll get there. I'll get there. So, so oh, man, I'm sure I'm sure you will. <laughs> so, what got you into knife making in the, in the first place? Oh wow. Um, Look, I suppose uh, it's it's interesting. My my family, my father, my 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 grandfather have no s- skills, no skills in terms of making anything with their hands. Um, so for me to start making knives, it, it basically uh, I had to set up, I had to purchase every single tool that I use right now, from screwdriver to chisels to to grinders to everything. I had nothing <laughs> that was given to me, gifted to me in any way. Um, nor did I have any set of skills that were passed down to me. So everything that I know has been um, I've learned from other people, from watching other people, um, from watching YouTube, from reading forums, from asking a million questions. Um, and I suppose what got me started was um, um, back in the day I was uh, interested in bussy knives. Um, not, not sure if you know if you know them. That was like, my first good quality knife that I've purchased. Um, and uh, they don't come with sheaths. So I was trying to find a sheath maker to make a sheath for the knife, and uh, everyone was too busy. And eventually I gathered up enough courage to uh, to try to make one myself. So I bought a couple of small, simple hand tools. Um, I bought some Kydex, made a Kydex press, and um, made a few sheaths which were relatively functional. And uh, that has really... Um, put a fire under me, you know, just made me realize that I can actually make something with my hands. And um, that from that point onwards, I've, I've just wanted to create more and more and transition into from sheaths and knife making was quite a natural one. You know, mm. um, I have a, mm. I have a knife as a sheath now. Let's try to make a knife. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. it's strange, actually speaking to all these people, uh, um, you know, who are making knives it's a lot of people have never actually made anything before their first knife. But as soon as they make that first knife, that's it. That's all they want to do for the rest of their lives. Oh, it's a, it's addictive. I suppose, you know, it's just, it's human nature to try to express ourselves and 
in in some way. Um, and I've you know as a kid I've always been interested in expressing myself. I uh, you know I wrote poems and uh, I tried to rap and uh, I I did graffiti for a little bit. Uh, I did photography. Um, I I was into cars. You know I always tried to express myself somehow. And um, knife making is really has really opened opened up my mind in terms of um, being able to come up with something, create it, uh, put it out there in the world, and then for someone else to use it and appreciate it, that's that, that's just the epitome of of um, creativity, I think. Yes, yeah, yeah. So, so what's the goal? I mean, is, is this a full-time thing for you at the moment, or is that something you're reaching towards? Uh, look, it certainly is something that I would like to do, um, but unfortunately right now it is a part-time gig for me, so... Um, I have a day job. I work in a um, in a financial services institution, so one of the big four banks in Australia. Mm. Um, it's an it's an office job, um, and uh, basically any downtime from that, I'm in the workshop. So my wife is very understanding. Uh, she doesn't see a whole lot of me between my work and uh, and the workshop. Um, so yeah, man, it's pretty tough, uh, but I enjoy it so much and. Uh, I really need to establish a secondary source of income in order to be able to do this full time. Um, because for me, if I had to make, for example, you know, four to five knives a week, it would turn into a chore and I would not be able to be as creative as I am right now. And uh, I really don't want to go down that path. Yes. Yeah. Oh, I completely agree. Completely agree. So how did you get that very first knife commission when you first started out? Oh man, some some guy was crazy enough to ask me to make a knife. Um, I, I don't remember the gentleman's name, but uh, um, he paid me one hundred and fifty dollars to make him a um, quite a large camp knife. And um, I was quite surprised that someone was uh, interested in my work, given that at that point I've made two or three knives, um, and uh, we've uh, gone through the whole process of designing the knife. Uh, picking out all the materials together and um, him being happy with what he received. And um, he told his friends about it and I made a knife for his friend. And uh, it kind of just rolled on from there. It was a snowball effect. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I hear that a lot again where people, you know, people may be taking a chance on a knife maker saying, can you just make me this 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 one knife? And it, and it snowballs. So that's great. Your reputation is obviously, you know, growing naturally. Yeah, look, I've I've never I've I've been very fortunate to have my work um, discovered by, I suppose, people that appreciate knives, people that are into this subculture. Um, I've never had to really advertise, and never had to put a lot of effort into finding clients. Um, so I'm very lucky in that respect. I've stopped taking custom orders over three years ago, and um, I'm I'm still going through that order list. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a very fortunate position to be in, and um, I'm very very lucky to be to be in this position. Yes, very nice, very nice position to be in. So, of, of all yeah. the all the processes involved, such as steel selection, you know, the profiling, grinding bevels, all the rest of it, what, which are your favourite and which are your least parts about making a knife? Oh, look, I've I've. Uh... I mean, there is so much work, as you know. You you you've made some knives. There is so there are so many processes, and and, and it's 
everything is such a time-consuming um, – every aspect is a time-consuming one if you want to do it properly. And I – you know, it's a gift and a curse. I am very anal about my work. Um, if it's not good enough, it just doesn't leave the shop and, and um, don't stop obsessing about enough until it is good enough. Um, so I, I love grinding. Um, grinding has always been something that I've been very passionate about, and um, and uh, I've spent a lot of time trying to trying to perfect my grinds. You know, especially on the camp knives, getting the crisp um, definition of the bevels, getting the nice um, sweeping plunges. Uh, it's something that I've always enjoyed doing, and um, not just for the aesthetics of it, but making sure that the the knife cuts right mm. um it's not good enough just to have a sharp edge sharp edges you know you could sharpen an x to shave it doesn't mean it's going to cut well um so spending the time and, and understanding the the mechanics of a proper well functioning knife is is uh, something that i'm really passionate about um heat treatment is something that again that i dedicate a lot of time i spend a lot of um, time reading about it and experimenting and having conversations with my peers. Um, you know, a knife without without proper heat treatment is not really a knife. It's just a sharp object. Um, so I've, I spend a lot of time and dedicate a lot of effort into, into the heat treatment process. What's your um, process for heat treat? Are you using a, a forge or using an electric oven? What, what's, what's your normal process there? I have a, um, a Paragon electric kiln. Um, so, and then in terms of quenching, uh, depends on the type of steel that I'm working in. With stainless steel, I air quench between two aluminium plates, mm. followed by a cryogenic treatment in liquid nitrogen. Um, and for honiaki blades, so carbon steel, um, I uh, quench in oil, uh, real fast, uh, Horton's K quench. Um, and... Uh, yeah, that's that, that's that's pretty much answers that. Okay, cool. So is is everything else done in house? So as you said, the, the heat treat, yeah, yeah. well, everything. Did, did you make? I've noticed that you make your own uh, micarta for the pins, which I've never seen before. Actually, micarta pins. Uh, never thought yeah, of that. No, yeah, yeah. I actually don't make the pins. No, um, I purchased the rod stock uh, from um, McMaster Car, which is a. Um, you know, like a huge, huge shop in the United States. So yeah, look it up if you want. There's, there are so many industrial componentry that you can purchase from there. It's it's ridiculous. Hmm. Uh, so yeah, I don't I don't make my own uh, micata. Um, I don't stabilize my own wood. So I purchase wood that is already stabilized, or I purchase wood that doesn't need stabilization. Ah. Know, something like something really dense like. Um, there's an ironwood um, or gigi or ebony doesn't need to be stabilized, whereas mm. uh, something that's not quite as dense like maple or box elder, I purchased those already stabilized. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I just mentioned those micarta pins because I've, I've seen them on a few of your knives, and I've never seen that before, a micarta pin, which is yeah. great because obviously it can, it can sort of match your, your scales and your liners and that kind of thing. They're really nice. Yeah. Yeah, look, I can't take the credit for the idea. It's something that um, uh, Sean Hatcher, a friend, a good, very good friend of mine, is a knife maker. Uh, it's something that I've seen on his knives many years ago, and something that uh, I've uh, I've commenced using on my knives as well. Hmm. Hmm. And, and sorry, where did you say you got them? 
it, the shop is called McMaster Car, C A double R. Right. Okay. Cool. 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 You basically, just look up uh, Mikata rod stock, and it comes in different thicknesses and in different types of Mikata as well. Paper, linen, canvas. So it's yeah, a huge variety. Yeah. Yeah. So where do you source things like your your belts and your steels? Um, so, um, a friend of mine, um, uh, Corin Urquhart, um, who's a manager of, um, a company here in Sydney called Gameco. Um, so they're, they are an importer or distributor of guest equipment. And, uh, when I started making knives, Corin and I, um, had a few serious conversations and, uh, I've basically, I was on his case for quite a while to start bringing materials in and grinders in, and and it it happened one by one. So, um, Corin brought a couple of grinders. Um, so the first one that he brought into Australia was the one that I own. Then uh, Corin started purchasing some uh, steel. Then Corin started buying belts. And anyway, so Corin and Gameco are now Australia's largest distributor of knife making equipment is there's nothing that you can't buy through them but i still do use some of the u.s suppliers as well usa knife maker true grit uh pops uh, alpha knife supply um uh, arizona ironwood um look there's 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 a bunch that i still that i still use it seems that not a not a week goes by that i don't buy something from us yeah, yeah. Even though most of the stuff is available here. Yeah. Um, so I'm always looking for something different, something that not everyone else uses. Um, yeah, hence I have to look outside of my own backyard. So do you have a sort of regular belt progression pattern, such as, you know, 120 to 240 to 400, then hand sand? But what's your normal progression there? Look, uh, I do um, all my uh, rough grinding on a 60-grid belt. Um, and after that, I progressed to 120. So both of those, I use 3M, um, 3M belts, mm-hmm. Cubitrons. Mm-hmm. Um, and then after that, um, I progress uh, to A45, again, 3M Trizac belts. Um, and from that point, uh, look, it, it really depends on the type of knife. So on a kitchen knife, for example, it'd be 60, 120, and then I go to the disc um, and on a disc, I go to 180, um, 320, and then it's all hand sanding from that point onwards. Hmm. For a utility knife, I'd be going 60, 120, A45, A30, A15, and I'd be stopping there. Either a nice clean set in machine finish or, or hand sanding from that point. Yeah, yeah. Well, I've just had some of the, the shredder belts from Combat Abrasives um, just for some really rough shaping. I've been using them. And I've got to say, right. these, these things, they're eating steel. I mean, I, I shaped three knives yesterday, and the belt still looks like new. So, um, yeah. yeah. I'll take them out. Shredder, yeah. There's a few videos on YouTube I've seen people using them, and you can just see. It, it's just unbelievable what it does to the steel, and it keeps it cool. Um, so, yeah, so that, that, that might be nice for your sort of really rough sort of shaping, that kind of thing. Yeah, thanks, man. I've, I've taken a note. Cool, cool. So what's, what's your, your sharpening routine? You finished your knife. Um, you've got a lovely finish on it. What, what, how are you sharpening? Oh, so you know, I've, I feel like I've come leaps and bounds in the last two years since I've since I started making kitchen knives in terms of sharpening. Mm. Uh, I've discovered a whole new level of sharpness uh, because of kitchen knives. Mm. It's um, a real art, isn't so, it? I, it's it's something that you know I just took for granted before. You don't know, sharpen a knife and so on, but you know the the level yeah. of sharpness and it's just a real real art. 
Yeah, it's look, it's uh, yeah, sharpening is uh, it's an easy skill to learn, I suppose, you know. And, and if a knife is ground right, then it, the sharpening does not take a whole lot of time. Mm. Um, you know, if a knife is not ground right, if it's too thick behind the edge, um, you can be grinding, you can be sharpening forever, and you 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 will think that the knife is sharp, but it's actually not going to cut well. So whilst we're talking about sharpening, let's talk about one of our sponsors, Tomac. To get great razor-sharp and repeatable edges, you're going to need a Tomac. To find out more, go to Tomac.com, which is T-O-R-M-E-K.com. Okay, let's get back to the show. So sharpening is, is, is a great skill to have, but it, it's all about edge geometry. It's, mm. it's not really about the sharpness of the edge at, at the end of the day. But look, in terms of my sharpening, um, I use um, Shepton Pro Stones. Um, so I use uh, 2,000, 5,000, and 12,000. Wow. And <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then after that, I strop um, with uh, balsa wood strop, and uh, then I strop with leather with diamond compound. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so it's, I mean, it's, it's wicked sharp. Uh, I've actually just got the strops from uh, Chad at Tristone Blades. Prior to that, I wasn't using the Bowser wood. I was just using leather, um, not loaded with anything. Um, and I feel that loading it with a, with a um, diamond powder, I think it's 60,000 grit. Um, it's, yes, yeah, it, it does make a difference in terms of that, uh, you know, initial real, real um, bleeding edge. Hmm. Hmm. But yeah, does it does it make for a better cutter in the kitchen? Uh, look, probably not. Um, again, it's not about the edge; it's about what's behind the edge. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, so let's talk about your steels. What, what what kind of steels do you like? Do you like working with, and do you, do you stick to the same steels? Look, um, um, I I stick I somewhat stick to the same steels. I I mean I do play around a little bit, but um. But I kind of know what I like now. So, in terms of stainless, um, I uh, I really like CPM one five four. I have tried all the other crucible steel, so I've tried S thirty V, S thirty five V N. And when I say tried, I don't mean you know one knife. I've made you know a dozen knives in, in each of those steels, and I just find that um, um, the performance gain isn't really worth. Um, that extra trouble that you need to go to in terms of hand sending those blades. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they have, there's so much vanadium and chromium in you know S35VN that you'll be you'd be investing um, triple the amount of time to hand send that blade over CPM154 for um, not real noticeable gain in in my opinion. Yes, yeah. Uh, I've been experimenting with some. Um, um, uh, XHP steel, so um, just recently, and uh, have you yeah, have had great results. It's uh, I've been able to get it to 65 Rockwell after te- after two cycles of temper, which is you know crazy, mm. and uh, and yet it's um, in terms of being able to hand sand that knife, it's nowhere near as as t- as uh, brutal as S35VN. It's actually closer to CPM154. So it's a great steel. I'll probably keep that in my lineup. I've experimented with AABL, and um, I haven't had a lot of luck. Uh, I've had a lot of warpage issues. Um, I feel that the, st- the steel um, comes from a roll, 
um, as opposed to from sheets. Right. And no matter how much time I've invested in terms of stress relieving the steel and running through um, uh, you know stress relief cycles, it, it did not alleviate my, my warpage issues. So I, I haven't gone to ABL since. Hmm. So that's pretty much that's you know that's my stainless lineup. Um, I I do like Damasteel. Um, I do like um, um, what else do I like in terms of stainless? I've been using a lot uh, some of the Japanese uh, Sanmai uh, steel. Um, so right now I'm working on a VG10 core Sanmai, and I have some um, Super Gold two um, core Sanmai. Nice, nice. Yeah, it's wicked stuff. It's it's uh you know it takes you can get that to maybe sixty three, sixty four Rockwell, um, and uh, takes a really fine edge, holds that edge, and is a great performing steel. And the steel that I and I really really love, and I I, I guess I'm supposed I've uh, saved that for later is RWL thirty four. Um, so it's exceptionally fine. It's um exceptionally clean you can easily get it to 63 64 rockwell it finishes um amazingly well and uh for my kitchen knives it's pretty much the steel that's uh from you know standard stainless lineup that is the one that's my go-to steel now yeah okay so do you test in your own shop have you got your own hardness tester there yeah 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 of course yes i have i have a hardness tester it's an old machine from um probably 60s that has been reconditioned and uh and calibrated um and uh yeah i test every blade that comes out Mm, that's next on my list so we we, i've I've got a place just down the road where i can go and test my blades but it'd be lovely to have my own in-house where i can just you know do some real experimenting then yeah, it's great, man. It's absolutely it's great. So, um, the, you know, when we were speaking about steels, I've only mentioned the stainless, which I do mm-hmm. do a lot. Of, but um, a lot of my work these days is honyaki, so W two um, with uh, hamon, yep. and um, uh, it's taking me a lot of time to try to um, to get the heat treatment process right. It's it's very tricky um, steel to work with. Um, it's it's a great steel. You just need to treat it right to get the most out of it. And having the Rockwell tester at home is, um, yeah, it's. I would not be able to to achieve what I what I can now without having one. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So, so what's on your bench today? What what's your what's your current project? Oh, actually, um, so, so today uh, I've made a um, a wire handle. Um, I've posted on Instagram. It's a ebony. Um, with uh, eucalyptus burl ferrule um, and uh, I have actually I'm turning um, lemonade uh, from lemons so <laughs> I've burnt through the edge on, on uh, this uh, huge nakuri that I was making and um, basically it was either that nakuri goes in a bin or I make something smaller and as you know knife makers don't make mistakes knife makers make smaller knives exactly so, exactly so I've made a small little petty um, out of it. So it's uh, Suminagashi um, VG10 Core Sanmai. Um, so that's that's on my workbench. And I have uh, four RWL34 um, 280, 285, and 300 mil um, Sujihikis that are re- that are ready for heat treatment. Nice. 
Nice. So what yeah, is it? What's, what's on your workbench right now? Um, this folder. So I've, I've been on this for about three or four days now. Um, and it's, it's just an experiment. It's, it's, it's probably nothing that I'll ever sell. It's probably nothing I'll put into my lineup. Um, but it's just one of those things you're learning new skills. So, I mean, for me, I've, you know, obviously made hundreds of knives, but it's only a very, very small collection that I actually put up for sale um, that, I'm, yeah. Yeah, that I'm very happy with. Um, so, so, yeah, it's... In your, in your, the rest you just use, or what do you do with the rest? Yeah, oh, they're tested, they're mainly tested, so <laughs> almost until destruction. But, you know, family, friends have them, that kind of thing. I, I don't think they're, if they're not 100% for me, I, I don't sell them. Um, yeah, so I think that's with, a good one. So I think with this folder, it's just the case, you know, it's, it's, it's just trying something new. Um, there are probably many, many iterations before um, anything would be ready to be sold, but... Um, I'm trying really just to stay in the sort of the, in the kitchen market, really, um, because, you know, it, 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 there's an audience out there specifically where I live. There's a big sort of chef training school, which I do a lot of business with here. Um, so, yeah, it's just trying something new, some new skills. Um, oh, it's good. It's, it's nice to, to relax your brain or stress your brain in a different area once in a while. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, as 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 we've said before, a completely different skill set. But um, we'll get there. We'll get there. So what's yeah, what's the what's the one thing that you're finding challenging at the moment? Something that you, that you'd love to make, um, but you haven't quite built up to yet. Look, um, I suppose um, you know, being a knife maker, you always try to push yourself and um, learn something new or improve your sort of skills in a particular area and that area for me right now is um uh food release mm. um so you know being relatively new to chef knives i'm only doing it for the last couple of years um there are so many subtleties when it comes to making kitchen knives um there, there are so many um aspects that I've never even thought about prior to making kitchen knives. So with every knife that I make now, I I do a lot of testing, I do a lot of refinement, and um, you know even if a knife cuts exceptionally well, there are other aspects um, of that cut that may not satisfy me, and I keep tweaking them. So you know food food release, stiction, drag, wedging, speed of cut. Um, that's something that. I'm experimenting with right now. I'm, I'm experimenting various grinds, um, whether it's uh, flat grind with um, um, convex edge, or whether it's an S grind or a modified S grind, um, or um, asymmetrically ground knives. So it's something hmm. that I'm currently working through in order to get the best of both worlds you know i want the knife to cut well i want it not to stick i want it not to wedge i want it not to drag it's a it's a pretty tough balance to achieve is you know the, the japanese have so many different knives for a reason one knife does not excel at everything hmm. um so to go on a road trying to make a knife that excels in everything isn't a realistic task and it's not something that i really want to do but i do that area does intrigue me i i've i spent a lot of time trying to understand it yeah, yeah. With regards to food release, are you finding that materials make a big difference? So the the, the blade material. Look, uh, maybe not blade material as such. Blade finish mm. um, certainly makes a difference. So the higher you polish a knife, the more the food will stick to it. 
Um, but the rougher your your knife is, uh, the more drag you're going to introduce. Um, so it's a fine it's a fine line between the two. Uh, I I don't mirror polish anything. It's I don't like that look aesthetically, and um, uh, in terms of performance, you, you're basically degrading performance rather than improving it. So when it comes to hand sanding, all my hand sanded knives um, are hand sanded to twelve thousand grit. Uh, sorry, twelve hundred grit. Um, <laughs> Jeez. Yes, yeah, twelve thousand would have been scary. Yeah, so twelve hundred grit is where I stop, uh, and in reality. Um, 800 would probably be better in some knives, and and I actually do stop at 800 on some steels. Mm. Uh, something that has a lot of vanadium in it, um, I you know I stop at 800. Um, something like a, a Honiaki W2, I take it to 1200. Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. So, so what's next? Everybody has this sort of dream shopping list. Um, so what do you have your eye on um, for your shop um, that you know would improve your work so much? Uh, well, I'm, I'm, I'm actually very limited in real estate. Um, so I work out of a single car garage that has been completely converted into a workshop. I have benches along both sides of the workshop. Um, I have a lot of storage. I have a, all, everything that a knife maker needs. I have all my machines set up. So it's actually a really, really comfortable and great setup, mm. but it restricts me from being able to get additional machinery. So I would love to get a meal. Um, I have nowhere to put it. Mm-hmm. Um, my next purchase, I've actually just made my next purchase. I've made it two days ago. I bought a new Anvil. Um, it's it's actually on, um, in transit from Melbourne right now. Um, other than that, um, I may purchase a new bandsaw, um, something with a real sturdy ta- uh, table. For steel um, or, or for, for your handles? What, what kind of bandsaw is that? I mean, I'm probably going to get well, – it's, it's going to be a steel bandsaw, but I'm probably going to mm. use it for both steel and wood. I don't see a reason why – Why that's what I do right now, and I don't see a reason why I couldn't keep doing that. Mm. Mm. Okay, cool, yeah. cool. So I'm going to wrap up with the final question that I ask everybody. Um, so you, you've already mentioned the resources that you use, such as YouTube and forums and that kind of thing. Mm. Um, and Instagram, obviously. Um, but but where do you find your inspiration? Which which other makers are really inspiring you at the moment? Um, look, I suppose, um, yeah, you're right. You always are inspired by someone, and uh, there is just so much inspiration out there. I um, follow quite a few Japanese uh, knife makers, um, and uh, I watch a lot of... Uh, cooking shows i watch a, a lot of uh, youtube cooking shows um but in terms of makers that um that i follow and uh that you know we kind of feed off each other i feel like um so chad from tristone blades here in sydney um james oatley here in sydney as well um Mer Tansu, sydney as well um that that's like those three guys uh i feel like we just keep pushing each other further and further and um we all try to be as we become better makers um uh, looking um outside of australia um who do i really like um i follow anger knives uh, so mm. his, his stuff is 
his stuff is just amazing. Um, there's there are so many. When you ask me this question, all of a sudden it's it's actually quite hard to um, <laughs> answer it. But you know, I could I could probably shoot two dozen names at you if you were to give me a couple of minutes. But um, shoot them across. Yeah, Shoot them across via email, and I'll put them in the description below, um, so people will be able to sort of check out where. Well, check out check out more makers. Maybe they didn't know about. That'd be cool. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, man. Okay, cool. So, where can people find you online? Where can they find about your knives? Where can they buy your knives? Well, it's it's pretty hard to buy one of my knives. Uh, and again, I don't mean to sound arrogant when I say <laughs> that. It's just the nature of a part-time maker with a really um, slow turnaround turnaround of you know i'm slow i i don't make a lot of knives uh, i take too much time to make one mm. um and i have a really long order book uh, so once in a while i post knives for sale um i notify people for a mailing list so if anyone out there wants to sign up to that mailing list it's the sign up link is on my website which is dpcustomknives.com.au um my main social media platform is instagram so i'm i, I post there pretty much daily um and uh, i don't really post much to anywhere else so i have facebook and i have youtube but i don't really use those channels effectively unfortunately hmm. okay cool so dpcustomknives.com.au and dpcustomknives on instagram people will be able to see your work there that's right man fantastic right well i think that's a wrap thank you so much for taking the time out um, on, a, on a Saturday night too that's crazy <laughs> yeah I'm gonna go get dinner now man thank you so much for having me Craig really appreciate it man When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.